Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Today our scripture comes from Psalm chapter 13. O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Like I said, today is a different day. Um, And so we are going to be walking through um, this psalm, Psalm chapter 13, and to have this um, experience of lament and to practice the art of lament. And I don't think that we are very well at the art of lament because whenever sadness or anger or grief comes into us, we sort of fall into one of two camps. There's some of us uh, who, who we dismiss our emotions. We don't want to feel that way, and so we just try to put them aside as quickly and as good as possible. We just put it down. I don't want to do that. Now, on the other side, there are people who we become over-emotional, and we become slaves to our emotions, and we can be driven completely by what our emotions say. And neither of these are what God has for us. We shouldn't dismiss them and we shouldn't become slaves to them. Instead, God invites us to practice the art of lament. And the biblical art of lament is the art of grieving with hope, of expressing the negative things and the negative feelings and emotions while still having hope and trust that God is good and that God is able. We see this term grieving with hope in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where it says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Instead, we are going to become people who grieve with hope because of who God is and what God has done. And so when we practice the art of lament, we acknowledge loss, we acknowledge pain, we acknowledge our emotions and grief while at the same time declaring our hope and our trust in God. Now, one of the things that happens, whether we're experiencing a lament right now, a grief that seems overwhelming, or we've been experiencing it for a while, or it's something we've experienced in the past, or it's something we've experienced in the future, is that grief doesn't leave us. Now, when my son Micah was about four years old, he was staying the night at my mother-in-law's house. And um, in the middle of the night, he woke up and could not walk. And so he army crawled to, yeah, it wasn't the middle of the night. He woke up in the morning. <laughs> the details. The, the, these are important stuff. He woke up in the morning and he could not walk. So he had to crawl, um, hollering out at, 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 at Graham's to something is not right. 
And, uh, and so we, we took him to the urgent care and then we took him to the, um, they said, we'll go ahead and take him into the children's hospital. And so, you know, it's obviously concerning, like, um, you know, what it is. And they, they told us a couple of things that could be. And one of the things they told us it could be is toxic synvitis. I don't know about you, but I don't like the word toxic with my child's, but they're like, this is actually what you want it to be. And there's probably some nurses and doctors who are like, oh, toxic sympathitis. I know what that is. But for most of us, we're like, oh my goodness, he's still alive. That's amazing. Um, but here is what toxic sympathitis is, is it's when there is an infection that goes from one place to another place. And so what had happened is he had had some sort of upper respiratory infection um, at some point in time, a week or two before. It didn't clear out all the way. And so it settled in his hip. And because it settled in his hip, it kind of locked his hip up where he could not walk or move. And I think that's actually a great description of what often happens with grief, is that grief doesn't disappear. It moves into a place that is susceptible to infection, and it's susceptible to, to being uh, utilized by grief. And so sometimes our grief comes out as anger. Sometimes it, our grief um, just comes out as, as depression. Sometimes our grief weighs heavily on us. Because grief doesn't leave, it just morphs and it changes. And sometimes it diminishes, and then other times it swells up, and it becomes a very tender part for us. And so I think that we haven't learned how to grieve or lament well, but our psalms are full of psalms of lament. They are full of these opportunities for us to practice grieving with hope. It begins with an invocation, a way to address God. And then it goes to our complaint, and then it moves to a petition. What would we like God to do about it? And then we have our expression of trust to verbalize our hope and our trust in God. And then finally, our vow of praise and how we are going to praise God. And so what we are going to do today is, again, church a little different um, because we're going to invite you to walk through, process, and do this together. And I'm, I'm going to invite you to do it at uh, maybe at a level a little bit more um, than, than you feel comfortable with. I think church should break us out of our, our comfort zone a little bit. So just like anything in life, you're going to get as much out of this as you put into this. And so over the course of time, we're going to go through each of the different parts of the Psalms of Lament. We're going to invite you to write down your thoughts. Maybe you are going to write down a prayer. Um, maybe you are going to, to fill all this out. But we're going to take some time to just take one step at a time and as I talk about invocation, I'm going to help you to be able to write your own invocation or write some notes about how to address God. And then we're just going to take one step at a time. We're going to have some uh, just space to give that to you. And also our, our worship team is going to sing as well. And so as we take this journey, um, I'm just going to invite us to, to be in this attitude of prayer because it does begin with this invocation. And this is the way in which we get God's attention. Our invocation is the way that we get God's attention. You, here it is in chapter 13, verse 1. O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? Do, do you hear the sarcasm in the psalmist? How long will you forget me? Forever? It's, it reminds me of sometimes of, of calling somebody and you just are on that hold forever, Right? And every once in a while, they interrupt and they say, basically say, you're still on hold, but you're still important to us, um, right? And how long will you be on hold? How long will I have to be like this? Will it be forever? 
Now, one of the things that happens in the invocation is we are remembering who we are talking to, and that that is that we are talking to God. This is not a, 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 a prayer of lament for other people, and what you're doing today is not for other people. This is for you and for you and your journey with God. Oh, Lord, how long will I have to wait forever? How long will you look the other way? Some other psalms begin this way. Psalm chapter 3 says, answer me when I cry out, righteous God. It's addressing God. Uh, Psalm chapter 70 says, hurry God to deliver me. Hurry Lord to help me. Maybe there's an urgency in what's going on in your heart and in your life as you think about a, a lament. And so as we think about a lament, what is a grief, a loss that you are experiencing that you want God to do something about? What is a grief or a loss that is you are experiencing or have experienced that you want God to do something about? How long, O oh Lord? How long do I have to be like this? God, now is the time. Hurry up, O oh Lord. Father, where are you? I've been calling, I've been yelling, and nothing. You're as good as a ceiling tile to me, Lord. Because nothing is coming down. How do you want to address God? How do you want to get God's attention? And so what we invite you to do during this time is maybe there's a phrase or some words. Just write out. If you need to use the back of the card, you can. Again, you're not going to turn this in. This is between you and God. But we invite you to just take this journey. And, and at this point in time, in that invocation section, just write out how do you want to get God's attention? What do you want to say to God to begin to address him? The next phase in this is this complaint. Um, and this is what the psalmist said. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? You can hear, you can feel, you can sense the, the pain of the, the psalmist. Maybe you've been there. How long must I struggle? How long am I going to be tortured with this? 
How long is sorrow going to linger? Maybe there's some of you, you've gone through this grief and, and you thought you got past it, but all of a sudden it swelled back up and it can overwhelm you, right? And this is what he is feeling. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? And so what we want you to invite to do as we practice the art of lament and, and we practice writing down our, our prayers is, is now is a chance for you to complain to God. God is not going to think that you're whining to him. God is not going to think, gosh, you should be better than this or you should be over this or it's not that big of a deal. He invites us to be radically honest here. So I'm going to encourage you during this time to be specific over general. Don't just say, oh, Lord, my life is tough. Tell God why your life is tough. Tell God what pain it is that you are experiencing and the sorrow that you feel. Maybe it's something that's happened recently. Maybe it's something that just all of a sudden is stirring back in your heart and mind and that this infection of grief has moved to a different place and hit you in a different way. And so we want and we are invited to complain to God and to tell it to him. Because it's one of the ways in which we bring healing is to, is to let the, the darkness go to God instead of holding it in ourselves. And so we're called to release this. And so as we have our time to write our prayer of lament and our part of complaining as we articulate our concern, I, I just invite you to think, what is causing you pain today? What is it that's going wrong? What is your complaint to God? And maybe you're wondering, where are you? When are you going to wake up? Can't you see that we are in need? The next part of our psalm of lament is included in those words. It's a petition. It's, an, it's the asking for something specific. What would you like God to do? The psalmist in Psalm 13 says it this way, Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice 
at my downfall. And so here the psalmist gets specific on what he wants. He wants to face God and for God to answer his questions that he has. Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Don't just leave me in the darkness and in the quietness and in the stillness anymore. Talk with me. It says, restore the sparkle to my eyes. Maybe that's been some of your prayer as well. Something happened and there hasn't been the light in your heart, in your life, in your eyes for a long time. And you miss the joy. You miss the life. You miss the delight of God. You want that sparkle to return. You don't want to just survive any longer. You want to thrive and to be on the other side of this. And then sometimes it feels like it goes from bad to worse, right? Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated them. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. You know, sometimes life is bad, but other times it feels like life is bad and other people pile on. Um, One of our family uh, annual traditions is to go down to the Dallas Cowboys game for Thanksgiving. And um, I'm not a Cowboys fan. My parents are. Um, but they played the Raiders. I'm a 49ers fan, which means I just do not like the Raiders by just trade, right? That's just part of it that goes along with the, the journey. Now, um, in, the, in the Cowboys game against the Raiders, uh, uh, the Cowboys were expected to win, but if you've been a Cowboys fan long enough, you know that even when they're expected to win, they're not always going to win, right? Um, and so what happened is, of course, they lost to the Raiders, Now, any time in a sporting event one team beats another, you know there's going to be gloating. But the Raiders fans are the worst. Because when we were leaving the stadium, and again, like, I don't have a dog in the fight. But they are just chanting out, Raiders! That's just what they do. And just all over the concourse, it's just Raiders! And then somebody else would echo, Raiders! And then, of course, somebody who was a Dallas fan said something, you know, lots of things that were said that can't be repeated here, right? Um, and, and, you know, there was a few things that we thought, let's just keep walking as fast as possible, right? But it's one thing to lose. It's another thing to feel tormented. And there are some times in this complaint where we can feel tormented. We do not want our enemies to keep winning, and it feels overwhelming. And so in this part of our psalm of lament, in this part of our prayer of lament, this is our chance to ask to tell God what we want him to do. Now, sometimes we like to tell God what to do. Other times we feel like we cannot tell God what to do. But I think in this psalm of lament, it's about getting what's on the inside out. And if what you are thinking is not holy, it's okay because there's room for that with God. He doesn't expect us to be holy all the time. In fact, Psalm 109 says this as part of the petition in that Psalm of Lament. Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him be found guilty, and may his prayers condemn him. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. May no one extend kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off, their names blotted out from the next generation. So top that. You can be honest with God. 
You can be honest about your enemies. You can be honest about your pain. You can be honest with what you want God to do. God can take it. And God wants your grief. He wants your petition. He wants to know what's in your heart. So what do you want God to do today? How can God resolve and address your complaint? So we move to this expression of trust. This is an opportunity that in the midst of our grief, we can still verbalize our hope and our trust in God. And so the psalmist says in verse 5, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. Now this, this phrase, unfailing love, is this Hebrew word hesed. It's one of the big words in our Old Testament. It's this idea of the covenant faithfulness, that God is faithful even in the midst of the trials and the storms of life to be good to us. And so to trust in your unfailing love is this idea of even in the darkness, even when I can't see, I believe, God, that you are still moving and that you are still good. And he says and he proclaims, and, and sometimes whenever we're in the midst of a season of darkness, whenever our grief overwhelms us, that sometimes we cannot see our way out, we don't feel our trust or our hope, we have to pull from our past, we have to pull from what's happened before and call on it. And that's what the psalmist does here. He says, I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will get to a place of praising because of what you have done in the past. You've been good before. You met me in the darkness. You wept with me before, and you will do it again. One of the ways that I think about it as a pastor is I think about having these Ebenezer moments. Now, when most of us hear the word Ebenezer, we think about Ebenezer Scrooge. And there's a, a song, a, a hymn we, we sometimes um, sing, um, and it says uh, in the second verse, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've 
come. It's in the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. I remember being confused the first time I heard it because what I knew about Ebenezer was, again, Ebenezer Scrooge. And I imagined, why would we hold up Ebenezer Scrooge? That doesn't make any sense. But in the scriptures, we hear about what Ebenezer means. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, it says these words, while Samuel, was, while, while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Chin. He named it Ebenezer, saying, thus far, the Lord has helped us. And so Ebenezer means this idea of thus far, the, the Lord has helped us. And sometimes we need these Ebenezer moments to remember what God has done so that when we feel it and when we, when we don't feel it, we can still trust it. God, you were good before and you'll be good again. And so this is our opportunity to answer the question in our own poem and in our own prayer, why and how do you trust God? What does the person that you want to become, what would they say in this circumstance? Because we don't always feel it. But God invites us to say the words we hope for. God invites us to say the words that we want and the person we want to become to say. And so during this time, that's what I invite you to reflect on is how do we trust God? And how can we believe that Jesus meets us in our darkness and he weeps with us even when we don't feel him? And what's true in the light is still true in the dark. It's really been the, just the cry of my heart uh, over these past uh, few weeks as we're in this series of yelling at God. This, this Weep With Me song, I, um, I was Googling Weep With Something, and this song, Weep With Me, Wren Collective, came. It was one of the Google-suggested things. And I don't know if the Holy Spirit normally works through Google search, but it did that time. Um, and I, I just, uh, th this song, I just think it speaks so much truth that um, 
here in the shadows I will offer my praise. What's true in the light is still true in the dark. And, and, and that part of the practice of lament is, is, is trusting even when it's hard to see or to feel or to know. Um, so we can offer our honest hearts and our prayers to God, but we also can, can proclaim his goodness in the land of darkness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so we end with this vow of praise. After our time of trust, we get to offer gratitude and worship to God. And the psalmist says it pretty simply, I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because he is good to me. Is is that God is still good, even though this world is bad, and even though darkness enters in, and sometimes it feels like we are surrounded by darkness, by our enemies, by stress, and by struggle. God is still good to us, and that light finds a way to break into the darkness, and that is part of why we praise, and we end this psalm of lament, again, this art of grieving with hope, with hope in who God is, not in necessarily what will happen to us, but our hope is in who God is. I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because he is good to me. And so we end with praise. One of the most famous psalms of lament is Psalm 22. Now, most of us haven't read Psalm 22 or or studied it a whole lot, but we know the opening line because it's one of the words that Jesus says on the cross. What his invocation on the cross is, is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are the first words of Psalm 22. And I think that when Jesus is saying that, he is feeling forsaken by God, but he's also allowing us a chance to go to that psalm and to understand what it says. In the end of Psalm 22, the praise part of that says this, all the rich of the earth will feast and worship, all who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. And this is what we believe, is that he has done it, he has accomplished death. Part of what we believe about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is that that death cannot be the end because of resurrection, because Jesus has conquered death that In the end, light will shine and resurrection will win. And so today in your darkness, today in your grief, today in wherever you are, how can you praise him today? Where can you rejoice and where can you proclaim the goodness of God?
Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.